Hello and welcome to the first iCount podcast of 2008. For those of you who don't know, iCount is the campaign of the Stop Climate Chaos Coalition, which brings together over 60 organisations. From environment and development charities to unions, faith and women's groups, iCount is the UK's leading campaign on climate change. In this edition, we'll be having a green gas with carbon conscious musician Just Jack. For me, it's, it's, it's just thinking about the energy you're using. Don't just think, I'm switching on this thing. Isn't electricity great? I can just cane it. There'll be eco tips from our resident old man Barry from Watford. People always leave them little standby lights on and it's very wasteful. And we hit the streets to find out what people really think of the climate change issue. What do you do in your personal life to stop climate chaos? Come on marches, moan at friends. We might even get to play with some eco gadgets, so plenty to look forward to. I'm Chris Pavlo, and with me today I have Ashok Sinner, the director of iCount. Hi, Chris. Lucy Pierce, campaigns manager. Hello. And James Lloyd, head of campaigns for People and Planet. Hi, Chris. Now, 2007 was a busy year for Stop Climate Chaos, and one of the biggest achievements for the coalition was the introduction of the draft climate change bill, which is to be made law this year. Lucy, can you tell us what exactly is the climate change bill? Sure. Well, the climate change bill is all about getting the UK's emissions under control. So we know that it's emissions that are causing climate change and in the UK we really need to get a grip on those emissions. To prevent dangerous climate change we want to keep global warming within an absolute maximum of two degrees and the bill is all about the UK doing its fair share. And what are ICOUNT doing specifically? What are they campaigning for? At the moment there are three holes. If this bill is all about us cutting our emissions then it needs to be as comprehensive as possible. And the first thing is about how ambitious we're going to be. And I count is calling for the UK's emissions to be cut by at least 80% by 2050. At the moment, the draft bill says 60%. The case is so clear, the science has moved on, it needs to be at least 80%. The second thing is that international aviation and shipping aren't included in the bill at the moment. And the third hole that we want to see filled is that the targets for cutting those emissions have been set into budget periods. And that budgeting period has been set at five years. However, what we want to see is annual milestones. Mm. Because the problem, if you set that budgeting period over five years, is government's lifespans aren't five years. And you could well see one government blaming another as to why the target hasn't been set for that budgeting period. So what will ICOUNT be doing this year to ensure a strong bill? This is the last chance we have got on the bill. It is so important that we get a really strong bill passed. And there are two key times, and one of those is going to be around Valentine's Day, and we would love as many of you as possible to send a message to your MP. And it's all about backing those three demands that we've talked about. And then the final push is going to be in the first week of April, um, and we really will need to make sure that as many people as possible are in touch with their MP. They need to know that all of us are absolutely agreed that we want to see these three key things included in the bill. If you log on to icount.org.uk, there's information about how you can send an email to your MP, and there's lots of information about how you can go and see your MP. OK, thanks for that, Lucy. Over now to Ashok, uh, do you think the climate change bill affects the way that the UK government is viewed at an international level? 
the UK's bill has a massive or will have a massive impact internationally. A lot of people say that the UK's emissions are only 2% of the global total. So whatever we do doesn't make a great deal of difference. Well, firstly, uh, we've got a moral responsibility to act in the UK to reduce our greenhouse gas emissions. We are one of the big industrialised countries which created the problem of global warming in the first place. But aside from that, the UK government is going into these international negotiations, rightly calling for action by all countries to address climate change. It's a question of credibility. That call is so much stronger if we are reducing our greenhouse gas emissions ourselves without waiting for an international deal. Now, you were in Bali last December for the UN Climate Change Conference. Tell us about that. Every year, the world gets together to talk about climate change. Now, a lot of people, I'm sure, have heard of the Kyoto Protocol, which was an agreement to reduce global emissions by about 5% by 2012. That's great. But the problem is, if we're going to keep global warming under 2 degrees C, which is the level at which serious consequences start to kick in, then we need to make sure that global emissions are actually on a downward curve within about 10 years or so. So the big question is, what are we going to do from 2013 onwards? And Bali was the opportunity for the global community to answer that big question. Okay, and did everyone play ball? There were a lot of people going in there with a serious agenda. Unfortunately, some people weren't. Um, uh, like who, for example? Well, um, <laughs> mm, I wonder who that could be. Uh, the US administration, okay. essentially. The George Bush government went there into the negotiations trying every tactic that it knew of to wreck them. And sadly, it was getting support from countries like uh, Japan and, to a certain degree, Canada. And strange enough, even occasionally Australia. But uh, you can't deny, I think, anymore the clarity of the science. Not even the US negotiators could do that. So I think they realised that they couldn't go home as the people who blocked progress. So at the 11th hour, they turned around and said, fine, we'll have a deal. So overall, what was achieved in Bali? It was important that we achieved an agreement to talk and to talk over the next couple of years to put in place a new deal in 2009, which will ensure that we start reducing global emissions at the speed and scale required so that we will keep global warming under 2 degrees C. Without that agreement of Bali, it would mean that there would be nothing in place to go forward from Kyoto. And what are your hopes for the Climate Change Conference this year? What I'm hoping is that the Poznan Conference will set the targets for the new global deal. It will say, right, we believe in the science, we're going to cap global warming at 2 degrees C. We're going to ensure that the industrialised countries have got specific binding emissions reductions targets over the next 10, 20, 30 years. And we'll begin to get the concrete promises from the big developing country emitters for turning around their own emissions. Thank you for that, Ashok. Over now to James Lloyd from People and Planet, one of the founding members of the Stop Climate Chaos Coalition. Could you just explain essentially what People and Planet do? Hi, Chris. Yeah, People and Planet is one of the UK's largest youth and student campaigning organisations. Um, we campaign on a number of areas, HIV, AIDS, trade-related issues, but most importantly and relevant today is climate change. And we have about 150 groups across the UK, both in schools, colleges and universities all campaigning together as a network but also independently on their own campaigns at a local level. And um, what were your main achievements of 2007? Um, one of the things I was certainly most proud of, we launched a thing called the Green League um, and what we tried to do was to put all the UK universities into a league 
um, and, and measured their environmental commitment, as it was. And, and what was incredible about this was a huge amount of press and media, because for the first time, students have almost quite cheekily said, well, if you're charging students for university fees, students want to make decisions more on just than just the courses that you're going to. Um, so suddenly a huge amount of interest of students wanting to know what the environmental performance of the university are going to. And that's had a huge effect on the way that universities now are promoting themselves and actually making environmental changes. So what climate change work specifically do you have planned for 2008? We look at climate change in, in, in two respects. One, what young people can do in their own institutions and locally. Um, so we're carrying on a campaign called Go Green. This year it's very exciting because in February we have uh, a first national Go Green week which will be run in schools and universities all over the country trying to get the head teachers and vice-chancellors and universities to make permanent commitments but also within that making them commit to the climate bill. So that's the first part. The second part we'll be repeating the Green League again. Um, on the other side we're also launching a new campaign. We're actually launching a campaign targeting NatWest and the Royal Bank of Scotland group for what we call their embedded emissions. Uh, a lot of business talks about reducing emissions. What they don't talk about is where all their investments are going. One thing we're really keen to look at as far as NatWest and Royal Bank of Scotland are one of the largest investors in things such as oil and gas, is that these are investments that will last for 30 or 40 years. So if we're talking about the need to reduce climate emissions now, what we're not supporting is people investing projects that are going to last for the next 30 or 40 years into the future. Thank you for that, James. Of course, climate change isn't just an issue for the current young generation. It's a hot topic for people of all ages, including 82-year-old Barry St Michael, a.k.a. Barry from Watford. I spoke to him on the phone earlier. So what's your eco-tip for us today, Barry? Stand by, lights. St remember to turn the power off. People always leave them little standby lights on and it's very wasteful. The average house, right, has got around 12 appliances that have a standby facility like that. And we got nearly 30 in my house, if you include Margaret's electric blanket, a scale electric Nintendo Wii, and her double deck she does her mixing on them. Many a time I've said to her, come on, that's enough dizzy rascal, put the headphones down, turn that off completely and come to bed. Only to wake her up later, push her out of bed to switch the blanket off. I keep her warm in bed anyway. Especially if we've had a good year on the Brussels sprouts from my allotment. <laughs> OK, thanks for that, Barry. Uh, I won't keep you, as I understand you're off to your local farmer's market. That's right, yeah, and I'll be walking there and all. Keeps you fit and does wonders for your calves. Mind you, my calves are so old, they're cows. <laughs> Right, thanks for that, Barry. We'll speak to you soon. Eighty-two-year-old Barry from Watford. There, unfortunately, Barry didn't attend last December's National Climate Change March in London, but I count Sarah Jenkinson did, and we mic'd her up for the occasion. I'm Sarah Jenkinson, and I'm here at the National Climate Change March. It's one of many demonstrations on climate change taking place all over. Okay, so I've got a few questions for you. The first one is, what do you think the government should do on climate change? If there's one thing the government should do next year in 2008, what would it be? Um, to pass a stronger climate change bill, which has got targets of at least 80% reductions in emissions, um, and including aviation and shipping, and to have a more joined-up policy so that we don't start creating climate change bills whilst we carry on building third runways and expanding the M1. Aviation tax, so that people can start paying for it and subsidising 
um, trains. That's my that's my two cents. Just the normal big thing of having a decent climate change bill and signing up to proper reduction. So sign up to something that is a decent target and bugger me, actually do it. Oh, I'm here with Dillis. She's a councillor for the Green Party. She's a friend of my mom's. What are you doing in your life to help stop climate chaos? I'm doing a great deal in my personal life. Uh, the only thing I possibly can, like reducing the amount of energy I use, and I'm a vegan, and I don't drive, and I don't fly. I'm trying to do what I can on the council too, to help reduce emissions from buildings. What do you do in your personal life to stop climate chaos? Well, I'm an art and design student, and I like to recycle things in my work as well. Come on marches, moan at friends. We've just installed a little wood-burning stove, which has meant that we now use about 30% yet less central heating than we used to. Uh, I work for People and Planet. <laughs> Anything else? No. <laughs> I offset my carbon. Sarah Jenkinson at a windy climate change march there with another People and Planet employee. They get around, don't they? Now, 2007 also saw the launch of the iCount Communities Map. Lucy, if I can come back to you, can you explain a bit about what this is and how it works? Sure. In a lot of ways, I think it's actually like an online directory. Um, so what we did was to contact as many independent local campaigning groups around the country. So some of those include the People and Planet student campaign groups, groups of Oxfam supporters, Christian Aid supporters, people who are taking action on climate change. And on the iCount.org.uk website is a map, a physical sort of map of the UK. And if you sort of move your mouse and hover over it, you get the details of all of those local groups, whether that's um, the contact details of the best person to get in touch with, um, or if they've got a website so that you can go and find out more about that group. So really it's for individuals to find out more about what's going on within their local communities. And it's so that those groups can get in touch with each other and work with each other. And have you found it to be successful? <laughs> we launched it in September, and at that point we had some 350 groups on the map. And I know that it's risen to over 500. So I think just in and of itself, word is getting out there that this directory exists and that more and more people are coming to it and using it. Excellent. And James, has this been useful for People and Planet supporters? Um, certainly. I think it's it, it has been a very useful tool. Um, a lot of the times groups seem to work independently and it can be, feel quite lonely if you've got a small group. But just being able to see your local area and see that there's always other groups that you can contact and then do joint work with, I think is really important. Thank you, James. Um, you can find out more about People and Planet at peopleandplanet.org. That's and the word and not the little squiggly thing. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's correct. <laughs> But what of those in the public eye who profess to live eco-friendly lives? Just how carbon neutral are they? We sent Neve from the iCount office to have a green gas with singer-songwriter Just Jack to find out. I'm here with musician Just Jack and we're cosying up for a green gas in his North London studio. Hey Jack. Hello, how are you doing? <laughs> so, what is the greenest thing you've ever done? I don't, I don't do like big things, I just do all the little small things, I think that's the whole point. But just switching things off and turning down my heating and not using a tumble dryer, all those kind of really obvious things. For me, it's, it's, it's just thinking about the energy you're using. Don't just think, I'm switching on this thing. Isn't electricity great? I can just cane it. How do you get about from A to B? I don't know, I mean, I ride a bike all the time. I try not to take cars that much, that's reasonably green, I suppose. My girlfriend's just signed up for this streetcar thing, where there's like cars parked in the street and you can use them for, for like a, f a five or an hour or whatever, which I think is a brilliant idea. Is green the new black? It worries me, all that kind of thing. I, I did a furniture design degree, and what I kind of realised, which was quite sad, was that during the course, the whole kind of recycled, sustainable thing became quite big, and then almost kind of like 
disappeared again. I don't like the idea that it's like a fashion, you know, that it is fashionable. People start thinking that it is just a fad. So like, oh, I was just a fad, you know, I don't need all it to do all this stuff because it's just gonna it's gonna go, you know, the global warming thing, <laughs> it'll be all right. We'll all start, you know, it'll get cooler in a few years or whatever. Those things do worry me. So I don't try and think of it as like a green thing or a fashion thing. So if you were prime minister for the day, what one green decision would you make? You know, I'd make the recycling thing law. I think just, I mean, in, in Europe, in, in a lot of places, it is law, you know, and you have to split up all your stuff. You know, the bins are, like, compartmentalised and you have to do that. Until things are law, people are just not going to do it. You know, I think that if you could get nicked for it, that, that, might, make a, <laughs> that might make a difference. Do you have an eco-hero? I think anyone who, who's sort of doing anything or taking notice of it is a li tiny little bit of a hero. So when was the last time you used the words climate change? This morning. Because <laughs> <Why? laughs> I said to my girlfriend, I've got some people coming around about climate change later. <laughs> I do think about it regularly, you know. I mean, I, I was I was talking about it yesterday because we've got a, like a, a phone. It's like a portable phone in my house, and obviously it charges on like a little charger, and the charger's always on. So I'm going to get rid of that. Have you personally witnessed any evidence of climate change? I've seen a lot of stuff on, on TV like everyone has, you know, I mean, I think the maddest thing is the uh, glaciers melting. I think it's one of the most kind of visual things you can just look at and see like exactly what's happening. So, you know, that kind of bothers me. I've had conversations with people who were saying, oh, this will happen naturally anyway, you know, and we go from ice ages to hot periods to ice ages and all that kind of thing. And I think that the, the main thing is to see that things have obviously speeded up a lot over the exactly. last few years and that, you know, whether it would happen or not, it's definitely going a lot faster mm. than it has in the last, in the preceding years anyway. Mm. What is your guiltiest green secret? Because I don't drive cars and stuff like that, I can't really, there isn't that much that I've done, you know, that I think is particularly bad, you know, I think that beyond a little bit of apathy maybe to, at certain points towards those kinds of things, but generally, I'm, I'm quite aware of it. Do you have a favourite place to holiday in the UK? Um, I went to Dorset recently, which was really beautiful. Scotland's amazing. I like a lot of England, actually. There's a lot of cool places you can get away to, you know, you can just get away from everything in England, definitely. Complete this sentence. Oh, lovely. <laughs> we are living in... <laughs> a material world. And I am a material girl. <laughs> We are living in the material world, I think there's, 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 that, that, that sort of sums up quite a lot, doesn't it? Yeah. Okay, thank you very much, Jack. Thank that you. was Thanks enlightening. For over. <laughs> thank you. Just Jack there telling all in our green gas. Now, Christmas might have come and gone, but it doesn't mean we can't offer up a few prezzies for the boys and girls here today. We've been lucky enough to get our hands on some of the latest eco gadgets, and right now we're going to test them out so you don't have to. The items we're road testing today are from Eco Gadgets, a small company in Scotland that use only recyclable packaging and source their products from ethical distributors. So, testers, are you ready? Ashok, what have you got there? Something called the Power Plus Rhino Rechargeable Dynamo AM FM Radio. <laughs> You got that? Yeah. Great. What's the serial number? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. I'll look for that. Hang on, where is it? Oh, no, no. This is great. I actually like this. It's a lovely bit of design. It's chunky. It's kind of rubberized black sort of container. It looks like if you chucked it against the wall, it would bounce, bounce back, back in your face. Yeah. And let me see if I can find... Hang on, hang on. This is it. We've got the... Uh, I think we've got the radio. We've got the radio. There we are. It's got AM. It's got FM. Good thing about this is... You can plug it into the wall to recharge it, and especially if you've got a green tariff for your electricity, it means that you can have zero carbon music and commentary around the house. Better still, when you're not near a plug source, how do you recharge well, it? Well, this is great. See, if ever I become famous enough to get onto Desert Island Discs, this is what I'm going to have, because there's a handle on the side. You can't see this, folks, but I'm now winding it. 
okay? And if you wind it up, that will uh, power up the dynamo and you can listen to the radio uh, without ever plugging it into an electricity supply. And it's got a light. Pretty powerful Super. thing in the side, you see? Fantastic. So everything you could possibly need in a radio. Okay, well you could leave Top Loader running while we go to Lucy, <laughs> who's got something, what have you got there, Lucy? I think this is meant to be like the staple-less stapler. Um, and I'm gonna try it out. Okay. I've got my two pieces of paper, gonna see if it sticks the two together. So, nice satisfying click there, we know it's gone down. <laughs> so it's kind of punched out a piece of paper and woven it through another bit so that it's somehow attached the two together and uh, there we are there's no need to pull it with okay. the might of a horse <laughs> I'm being very I, gentle I think the point gentle. the point of this obviously is is that uh, it doesn't use paper clips or staples awesome. I think we, we, we need to give this a thumbs up for that alone don't we yes good moving swiftly on to James what I actually have here is a, a small blue looking clock it looks Slightly like a landmine. Um, <laughs> it's an H2O powered clock, so no batteries included whatsoever. Um, you just fill it with water, and then there you go. Um, it has a number of functions on it. I think just, just in case people don't believe you, could you just shake it? There we go. It's actually full of water. It's got a water-powered battery in the back. This is this is very clever stuff. Um, and then it has a number of functions. So haven't actually managed to set the time yet on it. But um, however, when you turn it around, as you rotate the clock. You have everything from the temperature to a stopwatch to an alarm to a normal clock. Um, let's see if we can set the alarm on it. I think we might be here for a while. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Thanks to Eco Gadgets for that little lot. You can find them at ecogadgets.com. And to be in with a chance to win these gifts and more, keep an eye on the iCount website, iCount.org.uk. That's also where you'll find info on how to help iCount's campaign for a tougher climate bill. So before we go, there's just time to thank everybody here today. Ashok Sinner. Thanks a lot, Chris. Lucy Pierce. Thanks, bye from me, Chris. And James Lloyd. Set the clock. <laughs> Great, thank you all very much indeed. This is singer-songwriter Gavin Osborne with a song he's written just for us. And if you like the sound of it, please check out his superb album in the twee small hours. I'm Chris Pavlo, and this has been a Colour TV production. Bye for now. Ah. Uh -huh. He got woken up by his wind-up radio, worried about the plight of the bonobo monkey he had seen the night before on his TV. But it wasn't on standby, he turned it off Got up and made himself a cup of fair trade coffee Using only as much water for the kettle as he needed to use And he'd share a bath with his long-suffering wife Which actually turned out to be quite nice And he turned his central heating down because he cared About not wiping out all those polar bears didn't want the ice caps to cave in Oh yeah And he was making a saving And he knows it's got something to do with carbon But he doesn't know what an old man like him can do But he waits until it rains to get a car wash Cause that's what his granddaughter told him to do Ooh. he 
only ever used one piece of toilet roll Got solar panels all around his bungalow He's saving the world one light switch at a time Couldn't remember when he didn't used to recycle He's even started reusing his bicycle That he thought he'd forgotten how to ride And the tears of joy in his granddaughter's eyes Could have been enough to make sea levels rise but if you ask her what the matter is, she'll just say It's Grandad, he's using rechargeable batteries He's made the ultimate transition Into a man with no carbon emission And now he knows it's got a lot to do with fossils And he knows just what old men like him can do Turned himself into an eco-friendly apostle And not just cause his granddaughter told him to You see, everyone can save the world And you can save some money too